You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water. That's human birth. That's your natural birth. And of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. I think it's going to be shocking at the judgment. How many churchgoers are not going to make it in? How many religious people are not going to make it in? How many people believed in God, believed in Jesus, but they've never been born again? They've never been born of the spirit. Religion, good deeds, obedience to rules. These can all be done with good intentions and a desire to spend eternity in heaven. But Jesus teaches that these are simply worthless until you've been born again. Today, Pastor Danny will explain how you must receive new life through belief and trust in Jesus as your Savior. You're given the Holy Spirit to live in you, and you're a new creation. You then begin to grow in faith and relationship with God and are changed forever. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, as he begins his message, Parables to Prepare Us. We are right now reading through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, taking a section from our reading and teaching on that, and I felt led to Matthew chapter 25. So go to Matthew chapter 25. The context, to set it up, in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? In chapter 24, Jesus gives the signs of his coming. If you know about those signs, you have to believe that his coming is soon. I don't know of anything that needs to happen before what the Bible calls the rapture of the church. I personally believe uh, that the Bible teaches that the rapture of the church happens, and then a period known as the Great Tribulation begins. It's a seven-year period. It's going to be an awful time on the earth, and right at the end of the seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation, Jesus comes, second coming, in the clouds. And then we have the final judgment after the thousand-year reign of Christ. Jesus, in giving the signs of his coming, wants his disciples to be prepared when they meet him. Now, It is possible that we could be the generation that experiences the rapture of the church. I always wonder, do you lose your stomach going up? I don't know. But let's say we're not the generation. Let's say he's coming soon, but not in our lifetime. Well, you're still going to see Jesus one day. 
And the Bible says there's going to be a judgment for all of us. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, the judgment. And so you want to be ready. You want to be prepared. And in giving the signs in Matthew 24, Jesus wants his disciples to know how to be ready. And that's what chapter 25 is all about, how to be prepared. They are parables. Title for my message, Parables of preparedness, how to be ready, how to be prepared for the judgment, how to be prepared when you stand before Jesus one day. Parable number one, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with them to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Parables are stories from everyday life so that the teacher can help us understand what they're trying to communicate. It's my opinion that sometimes in things like the parables, we go so deep, so deep, that we miss the natural meaning of the text. And so we're not going to go too deep. Well, what, what does this parable mean? Ten virgins. Well, ten virgins suggest there's some kind of moral commitment, right? They're virgins. They're committed. It's a religious commitment to some degree. All ten have a religious commitment. And yet five are wise and five are foolish. Now, all 10 fall asleep in waiting for the bridegroom's coming. Uh, That tells me all 10 are imperfect. All 10 are very human. There are two crucial differences between the five wise and the five foolish. Two crucial Differences. What are they? The five foolish virgins lacked sufficient oil. Oil in the Bible is representative of the Holy Spirit. Lots of verses on that, but two uh, big ones. Isaiah 61 talks about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit. 
Acts refers to what he did as he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so oil in the Bible is representative of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, in talking to a man, recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus, he said something uh, that's very clear, very clear on this. And here's what he said. John chapter 3, verse 5, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. What does that mean? Next verse. Flesh gives birth to flesh. That's being born of water. That's your natural birth. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You won't see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again, born from above, born by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the work in someone's life when they receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's supernatural. The Bible says that we were born, or conceived even, in sin. And as a result, Ephesians tells us, chapter 2, verses 1 and following, that we were dead in transgressions and sins. Talking spiritually. We're alive physically, but dead spiritually. And you have to come to a point, if you're going to be what the Bible calls saved, what a genuine Christian really is. You're going to see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. The Spirit does a supernatural work in your life. It happens deep within. And you're changed from the inside. You become a new person from the inside. And we're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about belief in God. We're talking about a very real thing that happens when you are born of the Spirit. Now, in this conversation with Nicodemus, and I'm in John's gospel right now, chapter 3, you go back up to verse 1. Interesting. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Pharisees. They were the most religiously committed group on the planet at the time. You can't have more religious commitment than the Pharisees. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus at night. Why did he come at night? Because he didn't want his peers to know he's beginning to believe that Jesus is who he claims to be. And he comes to Jesus at night and he says, teacher, rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. You think Jesus would say, Thank you for noticing. He doesn't say that. Look at what he says. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. He goes right for the juggler of Nicodemus' need. A religious man, committed religiously, respected in the community. But he's never been born again. He says, verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And that's when Jesus clarifies. I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water. That's human birth. That's your natural birth. And of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. I think it's going to be shocking at the judgment. How many churchgoers are not going to make it in? How many religious people are not going to make it in? 
How many people believed in God, believed in Jesus, but they'd never been born again? They've never been born of the Spirit. And one of the greatest ways you can know if you're born of the Spirit, and that's the second crucial difference between the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The five foolish had no relationship with Jesus, had no relationship with the bridegroom. You can be religious. You can believe in God. You can go to church until your butt print is in the pew. You can win the blue ribbon for attendance at church, and yet you can be what the Bible calls lost, lost. You have no relationship, no relationship. What was a relationship like? It's interesting. It's depicted as a bridegroom. So the counterpart is the bride. Man, if you're in love, here's what happens when you're in love. You're consumed with that person. You think about them every day. You're doing things for them because of them. If you've been born from above, born of the Spirit, born again, then now you have a relationship. It's a relationship. You think about Jesus. He's a part of your life now. It's not, I'm just going to start going to church. No, it's more than that. Something has happened deep within. And now you're a different person. And you think about Jesus. He's a part of your life. Jesus says some. it's hard to stomach in Matthew chapter 7 in this regard. In Matthew chapter 7, listen to what Jesus says. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? We spoke in your name. In your name, drive out demons? Wow. Perform many miracles? Whoa. And then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. People that actually are doing things in the name of the Lord and don't have a relationship with the Lord. Explain it. I don't have to. Except to say that the parable teaches you must be born again. And if you're born again, you're going to have a relationship. A relationship. And some people, they don't have a relationship. And they're very religious. And evidently, according to Jesus' words, they even do things in his name. But they don't have a relationship. They've never been born again. You got to settle that. You got to settle that. I encourage you to settle it today. Have you been born again? And if you've been born again, you have a relationship. Jesus has become part of your life. It's not just religion, it's not just attending church. It's deeper than that, it's more than that. <laughs> well, that's parable number one. Buckle your seatbelt and let's go to number two. Chapter 25. Matthew, verse 14, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That sounds like hell. Wow. A talent was worth 20 years of a worker who earned basically minimum wage. Think about this. A talent, 20 years of work, you're at the lowest tier of the workforce, you're making minimum wage. 20 years is basically, generally, the length of time you're going you're gonna to work. Now, I know it varies. But the point of the parable is clear. The point of the parable is, what have I done with the money God gave me? That's the point of the parable. What have I done with the money that God gave me? And you might be thinking, God never gave me any money. Whoa, 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 whoa. David, when they were accepting offerings for the building of the temple... David said this, and I want you to say it with me. You ready? Here we go. Everything comes from you, and we've only given what comes from your hand. Here's what the Bible tells us. Deuteronomy tells us it's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. And he's not talking about just the the Christian or the person in the church. He's talking about even unbelievers. We'd have nothing if it wasn't for God. He gives the ability to produce wealth. Some make more than others. That's in the parable too. You got the minimum wage people, the lower uh, tier. Then you got the people with the five talents. Man, they're making five times as much. Then you got the people in the middle income. You got those guys. That's the two talent people. The point of the parable is you got every, every type of person in terms of monetary value and what they earn in life. Uh, you got those at the bottom. Uh, you got those at the top. And you got those in between. And the parable tells us (laughs) the servant who did nothing with what God gave him, he was what the Bible calls lost. He's like the person in the first parable that doesn't have a relationship with God. He's never been born again. And so the one that did nothing for the master, for the master with the money, thrown out, darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Whoo, that's hell. Wow. The parable teaches us that the least, the least one can do, if you're the real deal, is invest, invest from the monies God gives us for 
kingdom purposes. Biblically, biblically, and it's all over the Bible, especially the New Testament, uh, with the New Testament, then the primary investment for the Christian is the local church. I got all kind of verses. This is a sampling of them. Uh, Acts chapter 2, the early church. People sold things they didn't really need. They got an extra piece of land. They were moved by the Lord to sell it. They come and they give the money to the leadership of the church. And one of the things the leadership of the church did is give to people in need. And so benevolence ministry through the church. First Timothy 5, there was a group of widows that were put on a financial support list. Now, there were restrictions. There were certain qualifications you had to have as a Christian widow to be put on that financial support list. But where did that money come from? Had to come from God's people. Verse 17 of 1 Timothy 5 says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. That word is financial remuneration, especially those whose job is preaching and teaching. That's me. The point is simply this. Staff of the church that direct the affairs of the church, it's the day-to-day operations of the church. They're to be supported. That's the point of the passage. 1 Corinthians 9, 14 makes it very clear. Those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. And then Philippians 4, you have one of the missionaries sent out in the early church, great missionary, the apostle Paul and his team, and the church supported them. At least some churches did. And so you have global missions and what we call the Great Commission. But the least the real deal person can do is take of the monies that God gives us and invest it for kingdom causes, and the primary place of investment is the church. I started giving 10%. I believe that's the biblical standard. When I was 19 years old, when I first got saved, had $2,000 in the bank. That was a lot of money for a 19-year-old back in those days. I wrote a check for $200. I gave it to the church. I gave it to the Lord through the church. I gave it to the Lord through the church. And I've been trying to give at least a tithe ever since. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I, I find young people today, they're, Barna, that study group, you know, Barna, they, they say that the young people in the church today aren't nearly the giving uh, bunch that we were back in the day. And I'm like, why is that? That's wrong. Listen, you ought to start, you're working and you're starting out, you're working at McDonald's, you're flipping burgers, and you're a Christian, you ought to take a percentage of every paycheck and honor the Lord with it. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase, and do it What? no matter how much you make or, or don't matter how much you earn. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I asked myself, and I put it in here, why... Why is the wicked, lazy servant the one who made the lowest wages? Have you ever thought about that? I've been thinking about it. As I've been studying now for for days, I was thinking about it. And I couldn't come up with an answer. I said, Lord, why is the one that you say the wicked, lazy servant, the one that it's the lowest? He made less than anybody else. And then I felt like the Lord spoke to me at 3.35 Saturday afternoon, just before the Saturday night service. He spoke to me then because he wanted those Saturday night people to hear it. And you know what I thought in my spirit? And I believe it was from the Lord. I went back and I wrote down, because there is no excuse for unfaithfulness, no matter how much or how little one earns. There's no excuse for unfaithfulness, no matter how much or little one earns. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. 
He said, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. But if you're unfaithful with a little, you'll, un- you'll be unfaithful with much. Some people say, well, if I, if, I, if I made more, I'd give. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, according to Jesus. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.